Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and people that like olives. It is episode 104. Why? Why? Not two out of three. It's going to be a new thing every day. (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, Olives suck. That's what what I'm getting at here. Um, I love olives, man. Yeah, olives. So hi to me. Olives olives are trash. (laughs) Olives are ass. Um, but as you might have just heard, the four of us are back. Traden did not get eaten by a sea turtle, which is slightly disappointing, but it's fine. <laughs> Traden, how was the honeymoon, my man? It was it was great, man. Um, I stayed away from the phone for the most part. Um, a lot of hiking. We we got back and we, we thought, wow, we need a vacation from our vacation because we didn't mm. stop. Um, and typically, when you go on honeymoons, you kind of relax. But if you know Kylie and I, we don't do that um between uh between a wedding between hikes between you know all the touristy other stuff that you got to do and then the fact that kylie can't sit still for longer than an hour um <laughs> we yeah we we got we're, we're pretty we were pretty beat um good thing we came back on friday we had a, we had a couple of days to kind of get used to the time change again and uh uh you know kind of get back into our flow of things even though she had to work she had two work things right after uh, right the next day. So she had it kind of pretty rough than me. Yeah, it should be fine. Uh, what was the best thing you ate? Best thing I ate probably, I would say probably the, um, we, we ate at a Japanese restaurant just off of, uh, just in Honolulu, just off of Waikiki. It was, that was really excellent. Um, but I mean, the poke is always good. So everything was good. Everything was good. Um, I guess the, the pinnacle was our omakase on the last night. It was extremely expensive. It was, it was ungodly expensive, but it was very much worth it. Um, very fresh. And, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta splurge at least once when you go on your honeymoon. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, glad you guys had a good time. And, uh, Tyler, what, what, what did you do this weekend? Did anything happen that you should tell people about or yeah, i don't know it's kind of just another weekend you know just oh, kind of okay. stuff uh got engaged you know all that kind of stuff but, uh, <laughs> oh shit yeah yeah i know i got engaged uh justin and i are officially fiancés now pretty pretty crazy um yeah thanks thanks Traden and uh to kylie who really helped kind of uh make that surprise super great kylie did an amazing job with the pictures uh james and birdo also helped a lot with uh holding holding on the fort at the brewery for after and getting everyone together and uh, ready for the surprise. So thank you guys for helping out with that. That was great. Um, it was awesome. Uh, she was totally surprised, had no idea it was coming, which was kind of what the goal was. So, uh, it was awesome. So I'm super, super happy. We're already starting to plan wedding stuff already. So it's going to be good, but yeah, super, super happy, obviously. So, uh, yeah, can't say anything more. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. Congratulations. That's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Um, you know, we're all growing up on the pod yeah. a little bit here, so crazy. Uh, James, so how was the uh, post-engagement festivities at the brewery? How was your weekend? All that fun stuff. I mean, the engagement was really cool, but the big news is that I shot my career low in golf that morning. Oh. So I shot an 81. That's a little bit more important than an engagement. You know? <laughs> um, for sure. <laughs> the, uh, the brewery was great, man. Had a lot of fun. Saw some people I haven't seen in a long time, like Gretchen and danielle like i haven't seen those two in a long time uh, it was really cool to just catch up with people that's what love does is what i'm seeing marriages engagements you know stuff like that it brings a lot of people together and it's a good time to just connect again i loved it 
and I got to meet Gary, Tyler's dad again, mm-hmm. gave me a big ass golf bag. That thing is massive, by the way. And I completely forgot to pick it up today. So that's on me. My bad, Gary, if you listen to this, I'll get it tomorrow. Uh, but other than that, like it was, it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. Congrats, yeah. Tyler and Jess. Yeah. Big fans of Gary on the podcast. Big, big fans of Gary Bear. Um, you know what? Let's just go straight into it. So trade-in is obviously back. We didn't really talk about hockey all too much last week because he was not here. Um, but hockey is over now. So trade-in, why don't you kind of run us through what happened and, you know, do your do your thing. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty – it was interesting because obviously I was gone – pretty much the entire time I was gone is it was, you know, during the, uh, the Stanley cup final, um, more actually it, it completely was first game is on Wednesday, the 15th. Uh, and we, we saw quite an interesting, you know, we, we saw quite an interesting final, if not one of the best finals we've seen in a while, which is kind of, you know, not shocking. We kind of pegged that, uh, with, you know, game five being one of the better games that I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, you know, um, lo and behold, Colorado Avalanche are the Stanley Cup, uh, St- Stanley Cup champions. Um, Tyler, you were only wrong in games, I believe. Um, I was right in games. Um, and the other two on this podcast, dead wrong. No, nope, I picked the abs in seven. Oh, you did. So, James, dead wrong. <laughs> I got six somewhere, bro. I got the game right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, I'll just quickly run through, you know, kind of what happened. We saw we saw the Colorado Avalanche win in overtime in game one and then completely blow out the Tampa Bay Lightning in game two. And after that point, I thought, wow, I just hope actually the Colorado Avalanche sweep because that would make the Oilers look really good. There were rumblings saying that the Oilers at that point, the Oilers were playing better against the Avs than the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay was. And I'm like, well, just keep this going because then that makes the Oilers look really good. But Tampa Bay came back doing Tampa Bay things and completely dominated game three. Uh, game four, we saw an overtime um, an overtime win by the Colorado Avalanche, which did have a little bit of controversy. However, if, if you had watched that overtime, the Tampa Bay Lightning were getting caved in. So let's not, let's not, uh, let's not forget the fact that they were uh, getting completely dominated. Tampa Bay Lightning came into Colorado and gutted out a win to force game six, which we then saw the Colorado Avalanche finish the series in Tampa in six games. James, I want to ask you, you know, you had, you had the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the, St- the Stanley Cup in seven, I believe. Or no, it might have been six. Six. Um, six. Yeah. Um, when did you know that you were going to be wrong? Game two absolute destruction it just they looked slow Tampa Bay looked slow and I thought that was going to kind of be their uh their, their saving grace of the fact that they didn't have as much rest so the avalanche would have more rust on them and I was dead wrong on that the avalanche were just firing on all cylinders at all times going 155 miles an hour and the lightning were like jogging to the puck they, they looked slower. They were a step slow every single time, and they couldn't get past the neutral zone. They couldn't get it to their offensive zone ever, really. And you could see that, especially on game six. Like that third period, they had two shots on goal or something, like something crazy like that. They were not able to use that high-powered offense at all because they were just too tired. And that, what it comes down to is that Colorado was just a better team. That, that's, that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, look, I actually think that this would have been a different series if you have a – I mean, look, you have a healthy point. 
maybe have a different situation. Um, you have you you, you, you th- this team's beat up. They played a lot of hockey. There was a lot of injuries. They just came out with the with the uh, list, and I don't even want to start going through it because it's very very lengthy. Um, this Tampa Bay team was beat up, and they gutted out a very. And you also have to you also have to look at the fact that I, I think we can all agree that the Avalanche had an easier route to the final. Um, they did not face the the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, in my opinion, probably would have made the Stanley Cup final if they had beat Tampa. Um, they had to gut it out against um, a, against a, a Rangers team that was you know pretty resilient. Um, so it, it's it's not like it was it, it was Nashville, you know, and it you know it's not like it's not like they had to go through Nashville and and the Blues were a bit of an an issue, but the uh, you know the Edmonton Oilers were not. So uh, you know Colorado Avalanche definitely definitely dominated their, their, uh, their series. In fact, um, they're, they're, they're tied. They only went 16 and four, which, you know, four losses is quite spectacular. Uh, nine and one on the road. Uh, 10 of the, of the 16 games they had, they were trailing at one point, which means they, they managed to, uh, you know, they were a comeback team throughout the entire uh, series and they did not face elimination once. Um, this was a dominant performance by the Colorado Avalanche. Um, Alex, um, you know, you said you, I think, I believe you said seven. Did it surprise you that it seemed like Colorado kind of, it seemed like they had wrapped this up earlier than later. Uh, and it just kind of was a formality or, you know, are, are you shocked that Tampa Bay didn't find a way to, you know, force game seven? I mean, I'm not, I guess all that shocked they didn't find a way to force game seven, but I mean, Colorado did have two OT wins in this series. So like, you know, a puck bouncing one way or the other, like we could be talking seven games easy. Um, you know, Colorado was up in that first that first game and then lost lost a two goal lead and then won it, you know, pretty quick in overtime. Um, I mean, it sure feel like now that it's over, it sure feels like Colorado kind of just dominated. But in reality, it was other than game two, like they were all pretty close games. Um, yeah, if Tampa was a little healthier, might have been different. Um, you know, obviously Colorado also had their own injuries, but it's a little disappointing to go game seven since this was the best Stanley Cup final we've seen, like in at least in the last decade. So uh, it just proves how good this Tampa team is and what they accomplished even to make three in a row and to win to the first two is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, I, 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 you know. The, the, the question is, I guess, Tyler, I want to throw this to you. The, the, the question that's being thrown around is, is Tampa, are the Tampa Bay Lightning a dynasty? I mean, no, they did not win their third cup, but they went three rounds, three series in a row. They made it through, you know, the, some would say, oh, it's a shortened season during COVID, but they had to deal with the bubble. They couldn't see their families. The next season, they had to deal with a lot of COVID protocol. And then they come back and then they make it to the Stanley Cup finals facing facing a quite tough competition going through and they still force a game six. Are the Tampa Bay Lightning a dynasty? I think in today's modern sports world, they absolutely are. I think with with the way how hard it is to win just once and to do it consecutively is even harder. Um, And I think we see those those periods of dominance with teams pretty much in any sport, especially hockey, like they don't last very long. So I think if you asked me if this question was asked maybe like 20, 30 years ago, people would say, no, not, not even close. Cause there's, you know, I think the Islanders won like four cups in a row or something crazy. And the, you know, Canadians had their uh, time back in the day. So it's a different era into the, in today's era, I think, you know, for sure, back-to-back cup wins and three straight Stanley cups 
and not to mention all, all the successful seasons they had even before that too. Like they, they, they had some pretty deep runs uh, before they were winning um, cups. So I would say from, I would say they're a modern dynasty for sure. I think that they put together some fantastic years and it's very difficult to, 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 to do what they've done. So in my, in my definition of a modern day sports dynasty, I would say yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to agree given the, I tend to agree given the, the uh, cap era. I mean, it's a lot harder to maintain teams. And James, I want to ask just one last thing on Tampa Bay Lightning. Is this the last that we see of the Tampa Bay Lightning? I mean, and, and if not, where do you see them at least getting to next season? It's definitely not the last time we see it. Cause like Tyler said, it is a dynasty in today's modern day sports era. Uh, they still have a great bunch of core players. They may not be young, but they're still very good at what they do. They still have Vasilevsky on the back end, who is, again, going to be another great goalie in this regular season and the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. When you have a good goalie, they can take you places. Stamkos, Kucherov, Braden Point's going to be healthy, hopefully. You have a lot of key core players who may not be young, but they still produce at a high elite level that can get you to where you want to be. That being said, it would not surprise me to see the other Eastern Conference teams kind of come out there and be better as well. They make the playoffs for sure. Um, in terms of how far they go, I don't, I don't know. Like if they face off against the the Maple Leafs again, I don't know if they come out on top. It's going to be different. This Maple Leafs team is really, really good, and a lot of Eastern Conference teams are good as well, like the Hurricanes and the Panthers. Like people get more experience and get better. Just depends on how the playoff seating rolls out. Once again, um, but I do expect to see them in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, playoffs definitely. And I, I think that if, if if you were to tell me you bet them making the Eastern Conference final again, I think that that's a very safe bet, um, just just given the fact that we'll, we're still dealing with Vasilevsky. Um, so, uh, Alex, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is the first unanimous winner of the Conn Smythe. Uh, he got the unanimous, you know, first, first, uh, first votes. The kid is... I don't even think he's cracked 25. I think he's 23 years old. The kid has won a Hobie Baker, which is NCAA, kind of a Heisman type of trophy. He's won the Norris Trophy this year. He's won a Stanley Cup, and he's won the Conn Smythe. What are your thoughts about Caleb Makar? Uh, I think he's won a – what's the rookie of the year? Calder, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Calder. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I mean, you could easily call him the third best player in hockey right now behind mcdavid and mckinnon i think that's like pretty pretty easy i mean i think you he's easily the best defenseman in the league right now um it's incredible and i mean i think uh landis said it best in like a, a pre-game or a post-game interview when they're like uh you know what what should teams try to do to you know emulate what you guys did and they're like go find a kale mccarr somewhere <laughs> so, um I mean, he's incredible. Like you, you can tell like the, you know, the poise he has on the ice and just the skill set is even up against the, you know, a two-time defending Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. And with Victor Hedman on the other, on the other bench, you know, one of the other elite defenders in the league, like kale seemed just like a whole other level. Like we, um, you know, like we always say this about Mike Trout or something. Like if there was a level above Major League Baseball, like that's the level he should be playing at. That's kind of what Kale McCarr should be doing right now. Yeah. Uh, Kale McCarr, you know, he did have his he did have his mishaps. And I think we can all agree. But but he made up for it in 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 dishing the puck out, out of zones. 
um, his point, his point production, his ability to defend, he defended against the best and he defended against Connor McDavid to defend against strictly on dry put up 29 points third in the, in, in the playoffs this season. Um, and the biggest thing that I find amazing about Kel McCarr is his ability to skate away from, from pressure, his ability to break the puck out by himself is unprecedented. And, um, that makes him just a special player in and of itself. Um, so if you ever have a chance to watch him, watch how he can escape pressure because it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so, you know, what, 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 a, what, a, what a accomplishment by Cam He is not done. He's 23 years old. He's, he has a lot of career ahead of him. He's a baby. I mean, as far as I'm concerned for a defenseman and he's already done all the, uh, done all of this, he may very well become, he's very well on pace becoming the best defenseman to ever play the game uh tyler last question what, give me your overall thoughts about the colorado avalanche i think that you know going going into the offseason they're gonna they're gonna face some some uh some decision making uh valerian chushkin is is up for uh, a re-signing uh, uh nazim kadri is up for re-signing um they're gonna lose some guys and do you think that that do you think that that's gonna kind of deter them or do you think Colorado's just another you know favorite to win the cup next year I, I feel like they're definitely the favorite uh, to win it next year. We, you see all that young talent they have, and they, they, they still have a ton of good guys, and they can find those pieces. I think they have a great uh, GM, a great coach. Um, I think they've got so many good pieces in place, um, and honestly, they can probably even do better. Um, I, I, I think that this team is going to be a force, um, and they've been a force. You know, I think this, is just, this was the year that they finally put it all together and, and, and went on a run and, and finally got that um, cup. So um, I see this team easily being the favorite out of the West. I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously we have a whole, we have a whole off season to go and that can definitely change. Um, but I think as of right now, they're a clear favorite to win the Western conference. And I think in my opinion, the favorite to go back to back. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at, I, I, even if you lose Nazem Kadri, you, you saw, you saw what, you know, Tampa Bay can do. They lost an entire third line and they still make it to a Stanley cup final lose only you know, lose by two games. It's it. Like they, they were two wins away from, from winning another Stanley cup. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, especially when you have Joe Sackick, who was the greatest captain to ever play for the, for the avalanche is now is one of the best GMs to ever uh, manage this squad. Um, it's quite amazing what he has done. Um, and, you know, congratulations to, to you, Joe Sackick. Um, and a uh, little bit of tidbit information. The owner of the avalanche has won two, professional um trophies this season um he the owner he is also the owner of the rams so he won the lombardi trophy and he won the stanley cup this year um so he also i guess won the lacrosse championship too yeah there you go so they, it, quite amazing so i guess if you're like the arizona coyote not even the arizona coyotes i guess if you're the angels maybe maybe we should just sell ourselves to him maybe we'd have a chance because uh doesn't look very good he doesn't have an mlb team under his ownership so maybe we have a chance to you know, fit in there. Uh, last question. I want to go around the horn. Um, there, there are a lot of storylines when it comes to the players of the avalanche, a, a lot of tenured players, a lot of players who have been fighting for a chance to win the cup um, and just come up short um, tons and tons of, uh, of, of, of storylines. And I just want to go around and ask, what is your, who are you, who do you feel the best for on that team? You know, there's always some player that you kind of think about like, wow, that's amazing that he, that he finally won. So James, who's your who's your player that you think? Wow, it's really cool to see him win. Eric Johnson. Okay. I really I feel great about this guy. Former number one overall pick by the Blues, but he started playing for Colorado in 2010. He's been there ever since. He's the one of the longest tenured players for he's the Avalanche, and he's been through it all. 
he's been through that year where they had 46 total points in the standings. And now he's a world champion. Like he's holding Lord Stanley. The coolest thing about that is that when, you know, they give him the Stanley cup and have him skate around, he had the loudest ovation out of every other player on that team. And Ken McCarr was the MVP of it all. And Eric Johnson had the loudest ovation and everybody got more excited for him to finally get to hold the Stanley cup and skate around with it. Cool story. Great player, great person was able to stick through it all. And now he's, he's at the very top. He's at the pinnacle. Yes. He, he did go through uh, the dumpster fire years of the Colorado avalanche. I mean, guys, five, five or six seasons ago, this was the worst team in the league by far. And here they are the best team in the league by far. Um, if there's one thing I learned, it's that every team is far away <laughs> from this team. Uh, Alex, who do you got? I mean, that was also my pick, but uh, so, but it was all the same shit James just said. So I don't know, Landis Gog, like he was one of the youngest uh, captains ever. Um, he's been with the team for a really long time, obviously. Um, and even though he's the captain, like he kind of gets forgotten about a little bit just because of McKinnon and McCarr. And uh, so like, that was awesome for him. And I mean, honestly, just shout out to the abs. Cause yeah, 48 points in a season five years ago, or whatever it was to winning is pretty impressive. It is very impressive. Gabriel Laniscog is a great, great pick. Um, Gabriel Laniscog is so interesting because he's kind of the, the ultimate glue guy of this entire, you know, of, of this entire organization. I mean, he lets Nathan McKinnon and Mika Rantanen do his thing, but if there's other la- la- lines that need some help, Gabriel Laniscog is the one that's on that line. Um, he, he's deployed in all of those situations where they just need a little bit of help to kind of push him over the edge, whether that's third line, fourth line, second line, or with the top dogs, he's there. And that's what makes him such an amazing player. And, and I think that's a great pick. Uh, Tyler, who do you got? You know, those are my top two that both uh, James James and uh, Alex mentioned there. Um, I think Landeskog for me at first was the one, um, and then uh, Johnson there too. Um, you just love seeing those guys that have been there for so long and, and, and stuck around all the bad times. And I think, you know, for on Landeskog's case, you know, being, being that high pick and kind of being that, that centerpiece for so long and to finally get it done with the team that, that he was drafted by, that always feels good. Um, you know, sometimes guys get drafted high and, you know, they, this, this, the success doesn't translate with the team and they, they leave to go somewhere else and then, and then win it, which is still great. But to see it with a team that, you, that has stuck with you this whole time um, is pretty great. It's kind of like, you know, Freddie Freeman last year with, 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 with the Braves, kind of, kind of similar deal. Um, but, yeah, so I think those are my top two for sure. Uh, I think the Avs, you know, fan base seems like a great fan base too. I think for them it's been a long time coming and, uh, it was definitely fun to see all those uh, celebration videos that are on social media. Those are always fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's a great, that's a great one. Um, so, some, just, just a couple notables. Um, I like throwing Josh Manson. Um, he's, he's, he's been a warrior for the ducks and he went there and was a huge part of that. Jack Johnson, his story, if you guys, I'm not going to get into it, but if you guys want to look at, look at a very tragic story of an individual who basically got robbed by his parents Take a look at Jack Johnson's career. Um, Jack Johnson, you are a warrior, and congratulations on your cup. Um, he was a former king, so we got to appreciate that. Um, uh, another one that I that comes to mind, uh, Nazem Qadri, the first uh, first Muslim-born, or, or, I'm sorry, uh, first Muslim winner of a Stanley Cup, um, and he faced a lot of actual some uh, racial bullshit this season, and he was he was able to kind of compartmentalize that and and uh, and including me, make me, uh, make me eat my own words because you in fact were not a liability this season. And you know what I do, I should kiss your ass. Nazem Kadri, if you didn't hear that, 
I, 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 I eat my words. Um, Arturi Letkinen, uh, he, he, you know, was on the other side of the, uh, of the aisle with the Montreal Canadiens last year. He gets uh, moved over to the, um, to the um, avalanche and win. And then finally, my biggest pick is Andrew Cogliano. Uh, Andrew Cogliano has been a fan favorite in this league for a long time. If you don't like Andrew Cogliano, you're, you're an asshole. <laughs> I don't know how you just hate him, regardless whether he's on the ducks or whatever. Um, he was former Oilers. So I have, you know, he holds a special part in my heart. He's a, he's a, he's a warrior. And he finally got his at the, at the ripe age of 35. Um, Andrew Cogliano, you deserve everything that, um, that you have worked your ass off to be where you are. Um, and you just have never been able to get over the hump and now you did. And I, and I'm super happy about that. Um, so, um, that's, that's pretty much wraps up the season. We're going to, we might talk about a little bit of off season stuff, uh, upcoming, um, I'll probably take a week off and be the be the host next season so or next week so that these guys can um, can do their thing. Um, one more thing, um, yeah, the 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 Avalanche dented it in record time, dented the Stanley Cup in record time, which was absolutely fucking hilarious. Uh, it's gonna get fixed, don't worry, people. But uh, I don't know if you've seen the video. I'm sure you have. It's been everywhere, but it is hysterical. Uh, and so you know, there, there's another record the Avalanche can uh, can put it uh, put into their cap. So. Thank you guys for uh, sticking with me all season. It's been quite a season. Um, you know, we'll get back at the off season. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. All right. Thanks trading. And uh, as always, shout out to Corey Perry for losing three in a row. With- <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, okay. We're going to take a quick break and then newly engaged Tyler is going to walk us through his. Oh, dams baseball, whatever you want to call him. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. It is officially baseball as the only sport that's going on right now for the next like two months until football starts. So Tyler, uh, I think some things happened uh, around the diamond this this week, uh, this past week. So uh, walk us through that. Yeah, big week. Uh, probably one of the biggest oh damn moments we had all year. We're going to start off right at the top. Everyone's talking about it. I've been watching MLB Network. Like that's pretty much half of their whole time segments. They're talking about this. The Angels and the Mariners at Angel Stadium on Sunday got into a brawl, like a brawl brawl. I'm not talking those little pushing and shoving people calling each other bad names. No, this was punches were being thrown. People were tackling each other to the floor. Like it got physical real quick. Um, and, you know, James text, texted the group chat on Sunday, you know, saying like, oh, shit, there's a fight. And I was like, okay, like what kind of fight? Like, like, like I need to see the video. And I saw the video and I literally said, oh, damn. Like it was it was an actual fist of cuffs going on in there and it was it was it was pretty interesting and then I had to be like hey there had to be something going on I didn't know the backstory going into this so I was like hey what is Winker's issue like what is going on why are the Angels so pissed off why are the Mariners so pissed off so let's get into it um basically this kind of all started some could say it started earlier but I'm going to say it started the Mariners uh threw near Mike Trout's head the night prior obviously going after Mike Trout you know best player in baseball you know their their franchise face the Angels trying to next day trying to get a little bit payback this is a common kind of you know game policing itself kind of deal uh so in the first inning that the angels went after the mariners rookie phenom uh rodriguez kind of buzzed by his head they missed him they didn't hit him but it went but it got very close to uh his head um and that generally says that the unwritten rules of baseball okay like you go after my guy you got you go after my guy it's kind of the sense sent the message things should have been calm after that but the angels continued to throw out the mariners the next next inning 
they threw at Winker. He actually got hit. Um, and then that's when things started to escalate. So, uh, you know, Winker kind of started walking towards the Angels dugout, yelling at what it seemed like Phil Nevin, the uh, Angels manager. And then things shit just got crazy. So then that's when punches started flying and it just, it took a long time for, for things to settle down. Uh, just chaos ensued after that. Uh, six were ejected right after that happened. Uh, MLB Today came out with the suspensions. 12 sussies, guys, 12 of them. Uh, qu quite a big haul. Uh, Phil Nevin, the manager of the Angels, got the biggest suspension at 10 games. Uh, uh, Winker, who was the guy that kind of initiated kind of, you can say he initiated it, but there's a lot of people that did, but he got seven. Um, so yeah, quite, quite a big one, guys. This is probably one of the biggest uh, brawls we've had in a while. Uh, certainly the biggest one of this season. Uh, so just general thoughts and reactions uh, with the suspensions, just kind of, kind of the, the, when, when you're watching it, kind of what you think of what's going on. Do you think this is good or bad for baseball? Just kind of all that thing going on here. Um, trade and I'll start off with you. I, I thought about this a lot. Um, I, look, well, first of all, yes, I, I do believe it happened. Um, I think it was like a week earlier. Uh, Justin Upton had been literally beamed in the head and um, they retaliate. You could say that they retaliated a week later by going after um, by going after Mike Trout. And then it turned into this issue. Um, and to see Phil uh, Nevin bring in a minor leaguer to just do that um, was interesting, to say the least. Um, I'm not, I, I actually am not quite impressed by it. I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty embarrassed by it personally, but nonetheless, I understand where, where they were going. I, we don't need to get into that, but you know what this really is to me is <laughs> this is finally, this is, this is all of the pent up pain, misery, frustration that the angels have been facing for an entire month. The day of at my wedding on May 27th was the day that this, entire organization went off the rails uh -oh. um and it is it is <laughs> so it's been it's been like that for 31 days and you know they went through their 14 game losing streak they 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 bring in uh phil nevin who doesn't even have a winning record and now he's going to have more more suspension game losses or suspensions than he does wins in terms of games which is fucking hilarious um and you know, I, I I do think that they did show a little bit of fire from the from the Los Angeles Angels, which I think is which I think is what they needed, and I do appreciate that. However, you know, it, there's a lot of issues that that this uh, organization is facing, and and it, and I think it comes down at the way top, way 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 top, and it's it's just continuously you know putting fans like us and James, you can you can attest it's it's just. It, it, it pushes us back down every single freaking season. I mean, we were, we were on cloud nine, you know, halfway through March through May and um, things go off the rails and yeah, it is nice to actually see that they have some fire in them. And I just hope that it actually starts to galvanize the team going forward, because if things don't change, then it's just, uh, you know, another issue. I think this is just a pent up. Th th this is all the pent up frustration over the last month, just gushing out. And that's, that's what I kind of uh, basis off of. I don't like what Phil Nevin did personally, I think is a little Bush league. However, I understand that it happened. So I guess I really can't, you know, I, you know, it is what it is. Um, but you know, the difference between Mike Trout not getting hit and Justin up and getting hit in the head are very different things. They, one got hit, one didn't, it should have ended there and it didn't um, to bring in a minor leaguer to go after a guy. It, you could have ended it after that first pitch and it would have been fine, uh, but they didn't. And here we are. Maybe it's going to show a little bit of fire, but um, that remains to be seen.
Yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a lot to dissect here from, from both sides. I think, you know, there's pent up anger probably from both teams too. Uh, both these teams underperforming uh, this season, I think coming into the season had, had high expectations and they have not been met. So I think that could have def- definitely played a role in the emotions of what was going on. <clears throat> um, Alex, just kind of your thoughts and, you know, where does this kind of rank for you in recent memory with, you know, brawls that, that, that you've seen and, you know, um, just, yeah, just kind of general thoughts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think, you know, watching videos and, um, you know, reading up on it, I don't really think the guy was trying to like hit Mike Trout at all. I'm being completely honest. Um, it seemed like he just kind of missed up and in, which obviously is not what you want to do, especially up and near the head. Um, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing that part. Uh, the Phil Melvin, like putting in the opener just to hit a guy. And also like, he's a young dude. That's pretty, that's pretty weak. Like that's, that's pretty bitch move. Um, and I know it's to like, you know, help kind of set your pitching rotation up for later. And you're going to bring in, you know, whomever was supposed to, you know, pitch five or six innings that day, but it's kind of weak, man. Like don't also don't like put that on this kid. Who's just trying to make his, make a name for himself and like, you know, make a career out of baseball. So I thought that was kind of lame. Uh, the fight was great. The fight itself was awesome. It was. Um, I mean, violence is, you know, not really ever the answer, but like brawls are just a part of baseball sometimes. And they're usually a whole lot of nothing. Um, so at least like some punches. Were um, the, I think the funniest part, well, it's not, it's less funny now, um, but Archie Bradley like fell over off of the rail um, and I don't know if it was then or later but now he's like broken his elbow and out for a oh. month so that sucks like you never want anyone to get hurt like I remember years and years ago like Granky and um, Carlos Quinton got in a fight and Granky broke his collarbone and was out for like a month and a half which was really shitty so like you never want players to get hurt during a fight um, but yeah so Phil Nevin 18 games managed they've got seven wins and he's now going to be suspended for 10 new ones um, it's pretty weak he's he was like I mean he was talking shit the night before like as the game was over um, so like it was definitely coming um, and then Rachel Iglesias what are you doing like what are you doing you get tossed uh, you know like the umpires have to figure out who did what in this giant scrum and then you're just like throwing stuff onto the field. And then he's he farming. Throwing. Huh? He was farming, throwing seeds. You know? I guess so. Bubble. But then he threw a bunch of bubble gum and all like they're all the individual like double bubble or whatever. And like Matt Duffy and like a couple of the other Angels players are like individually picking them up because they're just like, geez, what an embarrassment. So it's probably good for baseball because it gets it's getting it like talked about. Um, hopefully it's, this is over like it's done for um also anthony rendon what are you doing you just had surgery you got paid a bajillion dollars you've been garbage for your team and then you're the one out there like kind of throwing the first little like half face push thing like either hit them or don't but you also like should not be on the field if you are on the injured list like wrist currently wrapped up like you just had surgery so uh just disappointing on both ends, but like, I mean, shout out to like JP Crawford for like sticking up for his team, I guess, like throwing haymakers, jumping over people. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, he was, he definitely had one of the highest suspension. I think he got five. Um, but yeah, a lot going on. James, just kind of as an Angels fan, it's, in, it's always interesting to kind of hear 
perspective from, you know, basically you're on the angels side of this thing and just kind of what, if there was any emotion as an angels fan watching that and kind of how you feel, how your team responded or, or how they went about things uh, versus kind of seeing it from a, you know, an objective perspective is I think definitely different because I remember years and years ago, the Dodgers and Diamondbacks got into a really bad one, kind of similar to this. That was pretty wild. And I remember just being like, absolutely just like fierce at the Diamondbacks. And I just didn't want anything to do them for a long time. And I was like pretty pumped for how the Dodgers re re responded to, to that situation. So just kind of like what your emotions are as an Angels fan, you know, and kind of just kind of what's going on there and like, you know, kind of how you thought that the Angels went, 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 went about things. I am going the completely opposite direction of these other two. I loved it. I thought it was a great fucking move. Like, love it. I'm going to just talk to what Trey said a couple times here. Andrew Wants is, yes, he came, he came from the minor league this year, but he's played more games. He's been up at the major league level more often than he's been at the minor league level. So I guess you could classify him as a minor leaguer, yes, but he's been put in a lot of high leverage situations and has been relied on a lot as a reliever for the Angels. Um, the Justin Upton thing that happened a week ago, Lorenzen said it slipped out of his hand and it's been also the Mariners player said, yeah, the balls were really slick that day. It's easy to slip out of their hand. And it's, it's hard. It's easier for me to believe that that was an accident because Justin Upton was a teammate for the angels this year. He was cut right before the season began, but Lorenzen and Upton were on the same team, like not even four months ago. So it's hard for me to believe that Lorenzen would target Justin Upton, somebody that was on his team. And I believe they're friendly. And the fact that Lorenzo walked down the line to Justin Upton to be like, hey, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to do that. And everything was good. So I believe, honestly, that was an accident. Uh, when it came to the other day, when Phil Nevin put out once of the opener, great move. Like, I, it set the tone for the rest of the league and for the Angels itself to have an identity. They're no longer like that. You kind of see him as the nice guys. Like, Mike Trout is kind of like the shy dude, like, goes out there he's a great base one of the best baseball players probably the greatest right now in the league but he doesn't really have a personality he's just kind of the cool dude Shohei is just like hey guys let's just play baseball there's no assholes on that team but as you guys know like in sports nice guys finish last for the most part you have to be the asshole you have to be the aggressor in order to get a step ahead in baseball and they've set the tone from that point forward they've won the last two games granted it's been one against the Mariners and then one against the White Sox, who are currently also under 500. But the fact is they set the tone for the rest of the season going forward. You can't look down upon us anymore for be, us being the nice guys. We're not going to take your shit. We're now the aggressors. So either you deal with that and respect us as that, or you're going to get the shit and the stick. And we don't give a fuck about suspensions, clearly. Like we're going to set the tone each and every single time we're out there. I like that. For the first time in a long time, the Angels are somewhat to be feared because of the fact that they're fearless about suspensions. Don't throw a mic truck. Don't throw a Shohei. Pretty simple. Don't do that. They're the two best players in baseball. You don't want Major League Baseball to go down because they're out. I love the fact that they did that. Um, as opposed to the fight itself, fight itself was great. Huge fan of that, too. Uh, I like Rendon going out there, being the first one out there. Alex said he didn't like that, but I love that. It shows that he still cares for this team. And, yeah, he just had surgery. He's out for the season. If he re-breaks it, go under the knife again. It's not a big deal. What are you really losing? He's out for the season no matter what. So, sure, go out there do your thing. It is embarrassing that Archie Bradley broke his elbow falling over before the fight even started. Um, but the fact that he admitted that is cool. Like, what an honest guy, because most people probably wouldn't admit that. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, I think all the suspensions were pretty 
it, it made sense all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, I, I like hearing that perspective from that side of things. Um, it'll be interesting to see where these teams go now going forward, if this is a turning point for either of the, these teams. Because as I mentioned, you know, both of these teams are expected to do a lot better than what they're doing. Um, Angels and Mariners both having a, having a tough time of it. Um, I feel like this is probably over in turn, they're, they're in the same division, so they're going to be playing each other again later this year. Um, I'd be surprised if anything happened. I think we saw the boiling point on Sunday. I don't think it'll... Uh, surpass that again um, but these are always interesting to talk about um, there's always different perspectives I mean everyone that I've seen on MLB Network they all just have a little bit of something to say so like I said a lot to dissect about it um, I still haven't seen uh, John Boy's video on it yet but I'm excited I did to. it was awesome is it awesome yeah so I definitely got to check that out um, but yeah so definitely a fun one to talk about uh, tempers flaring for sure out there in the hot Orange County sun um, but moving on to some other, other baseball things, uh, let's talk about some, uh, some, uh, teams on the um, American league side that are both having very good seasons, the Astros and the Yankees, uh, they faced off against each other this weekend in the Bronx and the Astros, uh, went, th- went a combined no-no against the Yankees on Saturday. That was the first time the Yankees have been no hit at home in 19 years. Um, also considering the, 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 uh, the season that the Yankees are having, it's really impressive. Um, and that streak continued into Sunday's game, uh, went all the way to the seventh inning. So it was a little over 16 innings that the Yankees did not record a hit uh, against the Houston Astros. Um, that ended with uh, Stan's home run in, in the seventh. The Yankees en- did end up coming back in that game on Sunday. Aaron Judge walked him off uh, with a home run. Um, Yankees are having a phenomenal year, as we mentioned so many times. Um, they, they seem unbeatable, but the Astros kind of gave him a little bit of uh, some competition this weekend. Um, and that kind of just puts things into perspective, you know, talk, kind of looking forward to postseason and kind of the American League Championship. You know, the Yankees are definitely, in terms of their record, in terms of how they look this season, the top dog in the American League, top dog in baseball. Um, you know, but kind of looking at teams that could potentially take them down come postseason time. Uh, the, are the Astros the only team that you feel like have that shot? Or is there another team that you think might have a chance to take down the Yankees? Um, Alex, kind of what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Astros are the best shot. I think if I was to put money on it, like them meeting in the ALCS feels like the most likely scenario at this point. Um, I mean, no offense to the AL Central, but like none of you give any, like me, any confidence that you could beat either one of those teams. I mean, it's still realistically those other three teams in the AL East, the Sox, the Jays and the Rays are the other ones in the AL that have the best shot. If I had to pick one, surprisingly enough, I might go to the Red Sox right now. They're playing really well, and they're going to get healthier, and they're getting guys back. Um, mostly it also makes Traden look like an idiot. So <laughs> that part about it, um, I mean, it, and, if, and if you really look at it, like I think the Sox have the most experience out of those out of those three other three teams. You know, I mean, I do think the Astros are still the, the better team than those ones. Um, I think the Sox are probably like the next best, especially if Chris Sale can come back and be healthy. Um, that's a game changer. Definitely. Uh, definitely exciting to see that. Um, James, kind of what are your thoughts on the American League? Do you think the Yankees are there's just they're just too good, or do you think the Astros are the only team? Like, kind of the same question I'd like to ask Alex. I mean, at this point in time, yeah, I believe that the Astros are really the only people that pose a threat from them from the AL side. I mean, at this point in time, before the All Star break, before midway point of the season. If you just look at the numbers as a whole, like it's 
the Astros have the second lowest run scored against in the entire league, while the Yankees have the highest scoring offense in the entire league. Granted, hitting a home run bomb at Yankee Stadium is probably the easiest game to do it in. But the fact of the matter is, like, they still have the most amount of runs scored. I mean, like this this weekend showed that the Yankees are human. They can lose a game. They can be no hit. And it's, it's insane. Like, I do like the Red Sox pick, and I do like the Blue Jays a decent amount. But they're still far, far, far ahead of where they – or behind the Yankees. The Yankees are just so much better right now. And they're 12 games behind. That's how far away they are. It's crazy. It's the, the Astros pitching staff, which I was down on at the beginning of the year. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think I talked about how bad Justin Verlander is going to be. I couldn't be more wrong. Justin Verlander has been absolutely amazing. Like his ERA is two something, if not under two, like he is going crazy right now. And I was just talking shit and that, that I should kiss his ass. Just like Tyler, I got it. Or Trayton has to kiss Nazem Kadri's ass. Like Justin, Justin Verlander is killing it. And I, I mean, good for you, dude. Way to get it. But he is leading this pitching staff to all time grades. Like he's setting the tone. And it, it's shutting down the best offense in the league. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it is very impressive. The Astros, you know, definitely, I agree. I didn't think their pitching staff as a whole would be as good as it is. Um, but they've done a fantastic job. I think, you know, right next to the, Yan- to the Yankees, they're probably the best pitching staff in, in the American League. Um, but trade and kind of how do you see that matchup? And do you, do you agree with kind of what they're saying? The Astros are kind of the only shot or is there another team that you're yeah before i ask that i mean if we're we're kissing ass i might as well kiss every single red Sox ass at this point Uh, (laughs) um line them up yeah so yeah i'm 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 a complete idiot uh you alex i was already gonna say that but i I guess (laughs) thank you for for the alley-oop there yeah you're welcome um i think the red Sox have have an opportunity the the blue jays pissed me off i mean i had the blue jays going all the way and they just pissed me off so um you know fuck them but uh the astros yeah, I mean the, the the Astros are finding ways to you know what they did over the weekend was 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 pretty mind blowing to me. Uh, you know, sixteen innings is a long time, and uh, for the for the Yankees of all teams to to not to not um, to not find no hits over sixteen innings is is pretty spectacular. Um, the I know we I know we hate this Astros team, but we have to give credit where it's due, and this Astros team is 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 a good team. Um, although, but after what James said last segment, I think the Angels. You know what? I, I completely changed. I completely changed my mind. The Angels are gonna go all the way, and they're gonna. Uh, and I'm and I'm feeling so fucking pumped up. Um, only jokes, but uh, yeah, Astros are the really the only team that I can see feasibly giving them giving the Yankees a run for their money. Except unless the Red Sox continue to 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 find their find their stride, maybe maybe things will look different in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's it'll be fun to watch. Uh, I have to agree. I think the Astros at the moment. Certainly the only team that can possibly take the Yankees. You gotta believe the Yankees are come down to earth a little bit, but I keep saying that and they just they just keep winning games at an incredible clip. Um, they're having one of the best seasons ever, which is saying a lot because the Yankees have had a lot of really, really good seasons. Um, so let's move on to uh we're gonna do our another round of the all-star ballot. Uh we're gonna move on to infielders with the outfielders last week. Uh so we're gonna do uh we'll, we'll start with the American League first and we're gonna do the four uh starters for the uh infield positions. Um, so just go through your four right in a row. I don't care what order you do it in. Uh, American League first. Trade. What do you got? Uh, you don't care what order. No, just you get out, <laughs> just the four infielders. Uh, whatever you want. I would say, 
I, I'm just gonna rant. I'm just gonna throw out names. Okay. Uh, first base, Ty France from Yes Land on Mariners. Um, wow. Upset already. I like it. I like yeah. it. It's all good. He he has, he has having a great season. He's three three fourteen. Yes. Three ninety one. Four seventy seven. I mean that's pretty four forty four RBIs. That's why. Uh, second second base, Jose Altuve. I mean, come on. I mean, I know we fucking hate him, but dude, <laughs> it's, it's Jose Altuve. It's super dude. annoying. But- uh, Jose Ramirez, Cleveland Guardians, third base, uh, shortstop Tim Anderson, Chicago White Sox. Okay, uh, I only agree with one of those picks, so I, I like that. Uh, James, oh, who are your four infielder starters for the American League? First base, Vladdy Jr. is what I'm going to go with. He's been, yeah, I mean, he has been off for the most part, but he's really heating up recently. Second base, Trevor Story, Boston Red Sox. Huge upset there. But he's kind of willing this team to win. After his first home run at Fenway Park, the Red Sox took off. Hmm. I wonder why. Third base, I agree with Traden. Jose Ramirez, and also shortstop, I agree with Traden, Tim Anderson. All right. Alex, what do you got? So I also have Ty France at first base. Uh, a much go. higher um, batting average, slightly less homers, roughly the same OPS. Um, but he did just get hurt, I think. So it will, pro- my, it will probably end up being Vladdy, which kind of sucks. Uh, it's got to be Jose Altuve. Like he's easily having the best season as a second baseman, which is, again, very annoying. Uh, third base was easily the hardest one to pick, I think. It, like this, like the American League third base is the hardest one to decide. Um, and I purely went with Jose Ramirez because he's on my fantasy team. Um, and I'm just going to put that out there right now. And then for shortstop, I went with Xander Bogats from your Boston Red Sox. He's also got the highest OPS, a uh, terrible defender, but he mashes. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Xander. It should not be Bo Bichette. I know he's leading right now. Tyler, if you pick Bo Bichette, I will drive down there and slap you across the face. Wow. Well, you're going to have to get your car started because that is who I have at shortstop <laughs> is, 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 is Bo Bichette. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's Bo Bichette. I like that we all have different ballots. The only one we all had the same of was second base, Jose Altuve. Again, it's just – I didn't I, have that. I, so I, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Cool. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. James went different, which was good for you. I really thought about one. I was like, who has a chance to overthrow Altuve? I just couldn't do it. I like the, I like the uh, story pick. Um, first base, I went Vlad Jr. Um, just, you know, I, I agree with uh, Ty France having a fantastic year w- w- with the Mariners, but I just think with all stars, you have to have like the stars and Vlad Jr. is one of the top stars. He put on a fantastic performance last all-star game. Hopefully he does it again. And then at third base, uh, I went uh, Devers uh, for that one. Um, just to go a little bit different because um, I knew a lot of people would pick uh, Jose Ramirez on, on that one. Devers having another fantastic year um, there with the Red Sox at third. Uh, so let's move on to the National League side of things. Uh, we'll go same order. So trade in. What do you got for your National League infielder starters? Oh, God. Um, here we go again. Uh, first base, Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals. Second base, Jazz Chis- Chisholm Jr. from the Miami Mar- Marlins. Uh, Manny Machado, San Diego Padres. No surprise there. And then Trey Turner of your L.A. Dodgers. Wow, unfortunately, trading. Uh, I'm just gonna say it right now because we we have the exact same. Um, no shit. Nationally, yeah, exact same. Obviously, is there's, Trey a, there's a, the guy who slides. Yeah, yes, that's the yeah. sliding guy. Yeah, yeah, he, he has to do that, like, yeah, he, he has, has to, to fucking do that, or else he can never be in the in the All Star game again. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the caveat to third base is Machado's probably he is going to be hurt. Um. So, 
Who would you, who, who would be your second option there at third base? Oh, dude. Um, I don't know. <laughs> he was the only one I had. James, who do you got at third? And then obviously the rest of your starters. I mean, I, I obviously also had Manny Machado at third. It's kind of, he, he's been jogging. So there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a decent chance he might be out there. Uh, damn, that's, that's a tough one to do. Maybe Nolan Arenado. Uh, I know that we had talked shit about him earlier because he kind of like went off because he got thrown at. Uh, but he's, he's having a decent year too. So you'd have, I also have Paul Goldschmidt. So we have two Cardinals up there for me. Um, for second base, I had Ozzy Alves instead of, well, I forgot what you said already. Jazz Chisholm. Jazz. Oh, Jazz. Isn't Jazz hurt? I'm pretty sure Jazz just got hurt or something. Did he? Yeah, I guess I the know. Dodgers. Ozzy is also hurt. <laughs> Ozzy is also hurt. Never mind. Everybody's well, hurt. You know, it, People, people might come back before it happens. Who knows? Oh, the NL's <laughs> fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I also had, had Trey Turner as well at shortstop. Nice. Alex, what do you got? Yeah, this one was uh, a lot less tough to decide. Um, your NL MVP, Paul Goldschmidt at first base. Um, Jazz Chisholm, the only one of two reasons to watch the Miami Marlins play. Uh, <laughs> the other is Sandy Alcantara, Alcantara, all whatever the fuck you want to call his last name. Sandy, I'm really sorry, but it's really confusing. Uh, I mean, it is Manny Machado. Like it's, you know, we still got a month, so he'll probably be healthy. He's having an incredible season. And then yeah, Trey Turner, um, just kind of half carrying that Dodgers team right now. So yeah, nationally, I'd agree with definitely a lot easier to pick. Uh, I think you got the clear front runners, every position there. Um, yeah, obviously I think Nolan Arenado will probably get the nod there. Um, I think, I think Machado will obviously get the votes, so he'll be deemed the starter, but you know, going in for actually who will play the game, it's probably going to be Arnado coming in there at second base or at, at third base. Uh, yeah, Trey Turner, obviously, uh, he's he's got some of the most swag from a baseball player in the big leagues. Like he's super fun just to watch play the sport. He's just he's incredible. Uh, hopefully, he does that slide in the also game. That'd be dope. He has to. Yeah, he has to. Even if he's even if there's no reason to do it, he should. Yeah, just, even if there's no reason to round it out to first and just yeah. slide it in first. Yeah, yeah. Do. <laughs> he just has to do it. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be at home in front of his home crowd. Like you just, there's no reason not to do it. All right. Uh, moving on to my final, oh damn, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, released their city connect jerseys. So we are going to rate those. I'm going to share my screen here real quick. Uh, yeah, there they are. All right. Ooh, text messages. Ooh, yay. Um, so yeah, here we go. The, uh, the brew crew. So just so to uh, get, paint you a visual pic- picture for those who are, who are listening, uh, we got the baby blue, uh, tops and caps. Um, and then we got the kind of yellow trim to it. It says brew crew on the Jersey, the hats, uh, it says MKE and it's kind of like, it's interesting design. It's got the MK, which stands for Milwaukee. And then the area area code four, one, four is kind of in the background there a little bit. Um, so kind of an interesting design, the hat, uh, white pants. Um, they also kind of got a, a, a third, uh, kind of a darker Navy blue, uh, to kind of with the trim, with the sleeves, the belt and kind of the build a cap there. So, um, a lot going on with this one. Um, but let's go around the horn and let's get these, get these things rated. James, what do you give these connectors? I actually really like these connectors is the color scheme was a lot like the Boston Red Sox city connectors, which I hated, but for some reason, for the Milwaukee ones, I like it. It's a great combination for them. Uh, I like Brew Crew. 
huge fan of that brewers brewery works out really well the font itself reminds me of like a craft brewery so that's awesome too uh, i didn't realize that the hats had the 41441 whatever or the 414 in the background that's awesome that's some depth yeah it makes you think a little bit i like the barbecue that's on the yeah, sleeve there going on that, yeah yeah it's like it makes it it's like a chill casual like let's sit back go watch the baseball game have some beers and just relax on a saturday afternoon kind of feel to it which i really like uh i'm gonna give this like a seven 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 from james alex what do you got yeah as a uh fake brewers fan um as uh our buddy matt likes to say i'm into them also um they're like the flip-flopped colors as the red Sox ones so like instead of the all the yellow and then the as the base it's the opposite which i think maybe james is why you like it maybe um I think the baby blue is like a little played out just like a bunch of other teams have had that as like an alternate Jersey recently, but I think it works with the yellow. I like the font, um, you know, grilling up some brats on your right arm right there. Carbon burns. That's looking good. Uh, I thought the hat might be like a little much when I first saw it, but now that I'm looking at it more. I kind of dig it. Um, you know, it looks good with the white pants. I'll give it, I'll give it a straight eight, 8.0. I like these ones a lot. Solid 8.0 from Alex. Traden, what do you got on these beauties? I fucking love these things. <laughs> <laughs> these are sweet. And the reason why is because they nailed they nailed the city connecting on the t- and and there are many reasons why. One, the 414 thing for or the, the area code thing. Um, the colors are actually in paid homage to the people's flag of Milwaukee. So the, that's where they pull those uh, colors from. The font is fantastic. The brew crew is kind of an un, it, it, it's kind of been a nickname of this, um, of this organization, apparently from the fans for a while. And now this is kind of like stamping it into the, it, 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 into the ground saying, yeah, this is, this is our nickname and this is who we are. The grilling, apparently there's a big growing, grilling culture in, uh, in Milwaukee. So again, it just, they're just finding ways to get back to that back to, to Milwaukee. And, um, you know, obviously there's, there, there's a big, uh, you know, brew culture in, in Milwaukee and they're just, they're, they're nailing it. These are fucking sick. <laughs> What's your rating? Uh, 8.7. Oh my God. That might be the highest. That yet. might yeah, be that might be the highest, yet. highest score. Uh, so that's yeah, really, really damn high. Um, I agree with you guys. I love these things. Um, brew crew. I, I always refer to the brews as the brew crew. Uh, so to them to have, have a uh, Jersey that has the brew crew on it is great. Um, the, the hats at first, the thing with the brewers is they've always had even like, they've always had great hats. So like their logos have always been really great. So that was hard to beat. So that's the only reason I think at first the hat was like, eh, it's okay. Just because like, you know, that, uh, that, uh, baseball glove, um, Milwaukee brewer has a classic, uh, their spring training hats this year with the, with the, uh, with the barley as it seems with the baseball. Fantastic. They, they always nailed their logos. Um, but I do like the four one four with the, with the MKE. I think that's very creative. Love the colors. I think that kind of the blue and the yellow scheme is always, it, it's always a hit. I don't think you can, you can, you can ever go, go wrong with, with that combo. So um, I agree with you guys. I think this is a, a great Jersey. Um, I'm going to give it a, a solid eight and a half. Um, I think it's, they pretty much nailed everything. Um, all parts of it trade. I didn't know about the uh, colors with the, what did you say? The, the people's, people's flag of Milwaukee, people's flag of Milwaukee. Very cool. Um, I love that. So yeah, all around the board, very solid ratings for these, for these jerseys. As I think we can all agree that the MLB or whoever designed or Nike, I guess 
has done a much better job this year. I think our ratings are way higher overall in 2022 than they were last year. Um, so I think they kind of learned a, a few things from last year and uh, I don't know, they're just doing a way better job. So uh, um, I don't think we've had anything like less than a five this year. So, and we had, I think a lot under five last year. So uh, yeah, so great job by Nike on these ones once again. Um, and that's all we got for baseball this week. Okay, Tal, I'm going to need two things from you. Number one, eventually I'm going to need to hear our like combined ratings of all yep. these jerseys. Um, and then number two, uh, I know you're busy. You got engaged or whatever, but I don't give a shit. Uh, I need you to research what team performs the best in each of these City Connect jerseys oh, and what team my God. the worst. Oh, my fucking God. And then uh, <laughs> and that'd be great. Thanks, Tyler. Love wow. you. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll get uh, right you. on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone else. I'm sure someone's done that. Done yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, Tyler. Thank you, though. That was a lot um, to go over. Yeah. We we'll have to see the suspensions. Everyone will probably, um, you know, try to get those reduced. So we'll see how those go. Uh, we're gonna take one more quick break, and then our football man James is going to lead us through some more fantasy talk. Coming right up. All right, we are back. Uh, last week, we did our first fantasy football segment uh, with some sleepers and some busts. And now we're going on to potentially the most important uh, position on your fantasy roster. James, what are we doing? We're going to go over the top 10 fantasy running backs for the 2022-2023 season coming up here. And like Alex had mentioned, we're going to go running backs first because typically a running back is going to be selected for your, your first pick more often than not. Unless you're Tyler. Tyler said he would not pick Christian McCaffrey within the first nine picks. I'm really interested where you put Christian wow. McCaffrey for this. Yeah. Trayton obviously has not listened to last week's episode yet. I hope he does <laughs> soon. But he, he, Tyler was just, he said Christian McCaffrey was a bust. We'll see where he has him now. We're going to start off at number one. Trayton, oh. who are you Who are you drafting as your number one running back? Jonathan Taylor Thomas without the Thomas. They're two different people. Um, <laughs> now, don't take Jonathan Taylor Thomas as your running back. Although he was an excellent actor as a young kid. Uh, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor is definitely the pick. Um, it's not really a shock. He kind of has dominated the league. Um, he dominated last year. Um, Colts offense is, mo- is going to be more well-rounded, I think. Enough said. I agree with that 100%. Everything you said, I said. Alex, we got number one. Yeah, also JT. Um, I don't expect him to quite, you know, have the same season he did last year, especially with a more, uh, you know, an actual quarterback this year compared to last year. So he may be getting slightly less touches, but it definitely feels like he's kind of easily the number one overall pick. And I think uh, Tyler told me that he was going to put Saquon at number one. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Saquon Barkley is the pinnacle of running backs in the league. Uh, he's phenomenal. No, fuck that guy. But yeah, I also, got, <laughs> I also got Jonathan Taylor as number one. I think every, everyone, everything, everyone, everyone has said, um, there's just no reason to doubt this guy going into uh, the 2022 season. He had a fantastic year last year. He's, 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 he's on a team that, that's going to run the ball with a great offense. It's JT all the way. I like that. So consensus number one for running backs and probably number one overall pick will be Jonathan Taylor. Thank God he's one of my keepers. Moving on to number two. Tyler, who do you got at number two? Uh, I got Austin Eckler at number two. Um, I think he's, you know, I think he's, you know, definitely trended upwards the last couple of years. Uh, he was in a, he was on my team in a different league uh, than he would do he was 
awesome. Um, he was one of, he was just so consistent. Um, and he, he did a great job. I think the chargers, uh, utilize him a lot. Um, so I'm going to go Austin Eckler number two. Alex, who do you got? We're changing it up. My keeper, Christian McCaffrey. When he is healthy, he is probably still the best fantasy player you can have. Health is an issue, and I'm banking on a bigger year from him. So I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey, number two. I absolutely agree. Uh, if health wasn't an issue, he would be my number one overall. But because health is an issue, that's why he stepped from one to two. Jaden, who do you have at number two? Because of health, he's actually moving to three for me. So Austin Eckler is going to take second spot. Um, Austin, Eck- I have such a uh, soft spot for Austin Eckler. Um, he he may be one of the strongest people in the league in terms of just raw strength, and um, he's he's kind of a fantasy darling. Uh, this 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 Chargers team, I'm so fucking excited for this Chargers team that it it's just it just brings me so much elation. So Austin Eckler, you're going to be a huge part of that. Um, and yeah, you're in my number two. Interesting, because for my number three, it's Austin Eckler. Alex, who's your number three? Also Austin Eckler. Um, I just think, you know, there's a decent chance um, Justin Herbert is going to take even a bigger step forward. And I know obviously Austin Eckler gets a lot of his fantasy points in the receiving game. But, you know, they may be spreading the ball out a little bit more. Justin Herbert, maybe not like relying on Austin Eckler quite as much. So I'm just going to drop him down. Also, Chris McCaffrey is just a beast. Probably be happy with either one of these guys on your team, though. Honestly, yep. And just to speak to his reception ability, he had 70 receptions and 20 touchdowns last year. Insane. Tyler, who's your number three? I got Derrick Henry at number three. Um, looking for a bounce back here. Obviously, he got hurt. But before he got hurt, I what he played uh, eight, eight weeks um, last year. Already got t- t- 10 touchdowns before he got hurt. This dude produces. The Titans are one of the most uh, run-heaviest um, offenses in the league. If he's healthy, obviously, it's always a big if for, for, for running backs. But I think uh, Henry is still one of the best running backs to do it. So, um, and like I said, in, in, in an offense that likes to run the ball, um, I got Henry at three. What about you, Trayden? Um, simply based on, um, you know, what you guys have already said about this guy, it's, it's Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be asked to carry the Panthers offense again. And, um, hopefully that's his only injury is a back injury because he's just carrying the team. That's all they, that's all he, that's, that's, let's just hope that's what his major issue is because if it is, you guys are right. He's probably the best. He's probably a number one. Absolutely. It's crazy because Christian McCaffrey for Tyler has not been mentioned yet. Trading. Who's number four? Number four, Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans, the Mack truck, the huge motherfucker that just does not go down. It's fucking Derrick Henry, dude. <laughs> the guy has, like, is just a Mack truck. And I, I agree with you there. Alex, who do you have? I'm going Najee Harris, number four. Mike, I mean, uh, what's his name? Mike Brown? What's the, what's the Mike Brown. Co- coach's name? Yeah. He pretty much said, like, Mike Tomlin. Mike Sorry. Tomlin. Mike Brown's brother. <laughs> oh your friend. Yeah. Mike Tomlin. What's his fucking name? <laughs> I was thinking Steelers, Antonio Brown, and I just mixed two names together. Uh, <laughs> I think Najee Harris is going to end up being like the workhorse of that offense. They don't have Ben Roethlisberger anymore, even though he was trash last year. Who knows what's going on, uh, you know, with Trubitsky or Rudolph or whoever is going to be playing quarterback. So, I think it's feed Najee Harris, and I'm gonna. I think he's gonna have a breakout huge year. So I'm. I'm t- would take him number four. Tyler, who do you have? All right, this is where I'm gonna put Christian McCaffrey finally at number four. Like I said, these guys, he has so much upside. He could be so good, but just the injuries. Not even I'm just one year, but back to back years with with really bad injuries. I think he might just be utilized too much in that offense. He's just overworked all the time. So it'll be interesting to see if they change that 
if they kind of cut his load just a little bit, just to manage that, or if they're just going to let him go all out, maybe he'll be lucky and be injury free and be the, the number one running back and have to kiss his ass. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of ass kissing happening here. Yeah. Coming in at number five, Tyler, who do you have? Uh, hold on one second. Shit. I lost my, I lost my list. Uh, five was my five was, uh, Najee Harris. Um, with the Steelers. So, um, kind of thing, all, all the things that Alex mentioned, um, I think this guy's definitely trending upwards. I think he could easily be a top five running back in the league. Um, no question. If he stays healthy. Um, I think, I think he's going to be great. So, I mean, I, I like what you guys are saying, about Najee Harris, cause he is one of my keepers as well. Like I have two really good keepers, uh, but Mike Tomlin's come out and said, he's going to have a decreased workload behind a pretty terrible offensive line as it was last year. And now with Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback, it's, it's tough. It's a tough look. So that's why I don't have I don't have Najee Harris in my top five. My number five, which is probably still not that great either, is DeAndre Swift out of Detroit. Curveball here. He is a top five in talent alone, in my opinion. And he's he's a great pass catcher and, and really good in space. Jared Goff likes checking down to his running backs. Look at Todd Gurley's amazing season a couple years back. It's because Jared Goff gave him the ball in space. DeAndre Swift can do that. And the Lions drafted Jameson Williams, who's a field stretcher. It should open up some more space in the box for DeAndre Swift. And that's why I have a number five. Alex, who's your number five? I've got Dalvin Cook at number five. He is still an elite running back in this league. He still has Kirk Cousins as his quarterback. So, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson is going to get a lot of attention, but there's no reason to expect Dalvin Cook is not going to have another monster year after, you know, he just had a very good year last year with just some slight injuries. He looks good so far in training camp. So I'm going Dalvin Cook. Jaden, who's number five? Yeah, Delvin Cook had a down year, um, and he still put up great numbers. Um, his scoring was an issue, and I think his scoring is going to rebound right now. Um, I, th- I think that he's going to – no, he, he's number five for me. Uh, I, I expect a bounce back year after a down year, which still saw him put up pretty pretty great numbers relative to, the, to his peers. Does it bother you guys, Alex and Trayton, that Delvin Cook has never had a full season before? He's always had injuries for a long period of time. No, doesn't really, doesn't really, um, doesn't really bother me much. Okay. Moving to number six, Alex, who do you have? This is where I'm putting Derrick Henry. So I'm just a little worried about him. Obviously he's had an incredible usage over the last three or four seasons. He's obviously a Mack truck. He is a huge person. Look at Zion. Those bodies break down. Eventually this was a lower like foot ankle injury. He just had, I'm just, you know, obviously he's still a monster, but like, we thought that about Ezekiel Elliott, and then eventually he just kind of fell off. These running backs fall off. Eventually, this may be the year it's time for Derrick Henry to kind of fall a bit. Tyler. I got Joe Mixon uh, in, in, in this spot. Um, I think he is looking – he you know had a career, career year last year. Um, I, I think he's going to continue doing that. Um, I think the Bengals' offensive line should be a little bit better even. So I think, I think that that will help him out. Um, so so I, I, I like Joe Mixon. At my number six, I have Najee Harris for the exact reasons I said earlier, but him being behind a shaky offensive line and not having the same workload. Uh, Trade, who's your number six? What Tyler said. Okay. There we go. Joe Mixon, number six for Trade. Trade, who's number seven for you? Najee Harris of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I, I, I just don't know what to think about the offensive line. That's a, that's a question for me. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I just, he, he doesn't hit his top five. I think similar to what you said, James. And I just think he fits nice in the, in the seventh spot here. Alex. 
this is where I have Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon has burned me in the past, but I am a married man now. I am an adult. <laughs> I can let bygones be bygones. I, Joe Mixon is an obviously a very talented running back, um, and he's got a much better team around him than he's ever had before, which is just always helpful. So um, I'm going to go Joe Mixon number seven. Tyler. I got Dalvin Cook in this spot. Um, like I said, when, when he's healthy and he's on, the, he's on the field, he's one of the best uh, running backs in the league. I just think his durability is a little bit of a question mark. So that's kind of where, why he's uh, slipped down to number seven for me, but very, very high upside for him. I also have Dalvin Cook at number seven for myself. What Justin Jefferson came out and said this last week has kind of bothered me. That's why Dalvin Cook has dropped. Justin Jefferson was like, this is no longer a run for his offense. And if you're a running back, you know that you need quality, quantity in order to produce. And Justin Jefferson's just getting too damn good that you got to feed him the ball. Therefore, I think Dalvin Cook's usage goes down. Number eight, Tyler, who do you have? I got Alvin Kamara here at number eight. Um, certainly an interesting pick. I'm not really sure what to think about Kamara going into the season. Um, he obviously had a lot of really good years, and last year was a little bit of a disappointment overall. Um, so be, And I think the Saints are kind of changing directions in terms of their style of play. So it's kind of a little bit of a risky pick for me. But, I mean, he's still such a great player and so, so much talent. Um, I feel like he, he's, a guy, he's a guy that can go off at, at any moment. Um, so I, I, guess I think there's a little bit of risk there just with uncertainty with him. But like I said, he's just such a great talent that he has to be in the top 10. There's actually a lot of bit of risk there because he's projected to be suspended about three to six games, <laughs> somewhere between there. Well, so I don't know. I, he's definitely out of my top 10. I ain't losing six games to my first pick. That's crazy. Alex, who do you got? For number eight, I, this is where I have uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, I think I think this is one of those this is one of those running backs where if you wanted to pick one of the high wide receivers and then get him as your second coming around, that is not too shabby of a strategy. Um, I, James, what you said earlier about DeAndre with Jared Goff dropping off, obviously uh, it's Jared Goff, so that's always a little bit of an issue. But uh, DeAndre Swift definitely has the talent to be a monster. Trading. This one's going to be kind of crazy. Um, Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, I, I say that because Tom Brady's back. You have one of the most potent offenses in the league. Um, and I think he's just one of the best all around. I mean, at least, at least um, you know, last year, he was one of the best um, all around RBs around. And I just think that he's, he's, um, he's going to be fine. Um DeAndre Swift, he actually tied DeAndre Swift for the most targets per game for the position with six. So he's obviously going to be targeted. Um, he's he's a he's a threat. Um, he's a threat in the air as well as on the ground. For my number eight, I have Joe Mixon. Uh, you guys said it all for Joe Mixon, but I just wanted to add the fact that he's number eight for me because I, although he carried my team last year, this offense for Cincinnati just getting better and Joe Burrow's getting better. I think they're going to throw more. Uh, Joe Mixon can catch, but a lot of your running back usage needs to come from the ground. I don't know if they're going to run that much because that offensive line still isn't that much better. Moving on to number nine, Trayden, who do you have? This is where I have DeAndre Swift. Um, just I, I, not, not that, not that this is a pushback. I mean, he finished RB fifteen. He was broke thousand yards, which is fantastic. And I think, and I, and I think that he's gonna be, um, he's gonna be pretty pretty good i think he's gonna have a great um great season next season i just I, I have too much faith in the other ones ahead of him that's kind of the reason he's down there alex who's number nine for you this feels like a little bit of a boomer bust kind of situation but uh james less than a year ago you called this guy the best running back in football and that's nick chubb 
Um, Ooh. You definitely said that. Don't even, we can find the two. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. He just uh, doesn't have the usage because he has split time. Yeah, there, there's obviously a lot of issues with his usage, but like he is a monster. Um, getting down to this 9-10, it's kind of just like pick who, who you think maybe has the best skill sets. I'm going to go Nick Chubb. Um, you know, there's probably, there's possibly better ones here, but I don't know. Fuck, man. I don't know. I like Nick Chubb. <laughs> I love Nick Chubb. Alex, you're absolutely correct, man. I do think he's the best pure runner in football. Like that guy is great and he finds space and he's so good. But the usage for me, he got to split time with the uh, the guy who kicks his wife. I forgot his name. Uh, uh, fucking. Yeah, it's, it's Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt. Hunt yeah. yeah. And so it's really, it's really tough to be a top 10 running back for me if you've got to split time. Tyler, who's your number nine? Uh, I got DeAndre Swift here at number nine as well. Uh, I think he tends to get a little bit overlooked because he's on the Lions. Um, but he had a really good year last year. Um and you know he he might have a have a really good even even better year this year, but I don't know. I just there's something I don't I just don't trust about the the about the, the team he's on. I just don't know if that's going to give him as high of a fancy upside as he potentially could have. Um, so I think if he's on a better team, I think I'd rank him a little bit higher. But certainly a a, a great talent, you know, kind of a little bit of a, dur- a durability issue as well. Um, he's been he's missed some games over the last couple of seasons, but certainly a, a a great pick and definitely a top ten talent. For my number nine, I have Leonard Fournette. I like what Traden said earlier for his number eight, uh, Leonard Fournette, but I, Leonard Fournette to me gets his value from passing and Tom Brady's going to pass a lot and receptions are key for Leonard Fournette. And last but not least at number 10, Alex, who's your number 10 running back? Oh God. I had a really tough time with this. Um, it's probably James's favorite running back, Josh Jacob. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm still going to go. Oh man. I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. Um, you know, I, with the loss of Devonte Adams, maybe the Packers are going to be running a bit more. I know there's also some usage issues with, with him, but Aaron Jones can still be a fucking monster sometimes. So I'm going to go a little boomer bust with Aaron Jones. I like, I like that pick. He's right on that cusp. I love it. Tyler. Uh, I got Leonard Fournette here at my 10 spot. Um, he, he, like I said, that dual threat is, is, is always a plus with, with, with fantasy. Um, I, I think he fits great into the uh, Buccaneer scheme with, with having Tom Brady back. That's only going to help him help his case. Um, he's pretty consistent too. When you, you kind of look at his numbers, like he puts up good numbers and he had that one week where he just went off for what was like three touchdowns, 100 yards. So he could definitely put up some big numbers for you, but even, even when he has an off week, he's going to probably get you at least 10 points. So um, I think Fournette's a, a great pickup at 10. Ben, who's your number 10? Number 10, this one's going to be – I know this one's going to blow you guys away because he has an issue with staying on the field, but it's going to be James Conner, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he When he's healthy, this guy can post 23 PPR uh, – he posted 23 PPR points per game without Chase Edmonds, who's no longer there. Um, he has an 8% target share, which is I would expect will grow um, into this uh, new quicker offense that we're starting to see around the league. Uh, and I – I just think that he he's going to have an opportunity to really shine in Arizona this year. My number 10 is going to blow you guys away, mainly because he's not on anybody's number 10 board ever, but I have supreme confidence in him. Tyler doesn't. And my number 10 is Saquon Barkley. This dude looks healthy. I mean, like based off pictures that you see in the summer, he's just absolutely shredded running. It's not so much that that I'm high on. It's Brian Dable. Brian Dable being there, being the head coach now, is going to utilize his skill set because Saquon Barkley is the best player on this team, hands down, not even close. He's going to look for a way to find to get him in space, get him some running lanes. And I think Saquon Barkley is going to have a bounce back year after a couple of years of injury. 
And that is my top 10 and everybody else's top 10. Hope you guys take that into account when you draft. Hope you do. And I hope you don't because I can pretty much guarantee there's some guy we didn't mention that's going to finish in the top 10 and we fucked up on at least one to four of these guys. So uh, <laughs> every- I mean, if anything, it gets us everyone thinking about fantasy football because it's coming up a lot quicker than you'd expect. We are almost done with June. July is just around the corner. So um, that's all we got this week. Um, it was a fantastic episode. Tyler, again, congratulations to you and Jess yes, on getting you. engaged and a little bit to Ollie, but he really isn't a part of that. <laughs> um, other than that, everyone, thank you again so much for listening. Um, if you like olives, you're a lunatic. And <laughs> see you next week. <laughs>